This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Now the 1-1 pitch to Solaire, swung on, powered with authority, deep center field, Rodriguez going back, she is gone! Jorge Solaire gives the Marlins a 2-0 lead, here in the top of the sixth inning, it's his 20th bomb of the season. Jorge Solaire hits home runs, so he gets home run calls, that's how it works, another great home run call, that's our home run call of the day. Today's podcast is a good one, today's podcasts are great ones. As we have cranking them out all week. Today is no exception. Brendan Geyer, former Major League player, who has turned mental performance coach, does it for the Angels, does it for University of Virginia baseball team, which, by the way, congratulations to them. University of Houston baseball team, other other people, other places, and just a fascinating guy to listen to and to talk to. Really. Speaking of speaking of mental performance. I am fascinated by the anxiety that someone must have when it comes to throwing out the first pitch of a baseball game, a ceremonial first pitch. Well, I got a chance to witness it firsthand yesterday, last night, after a two-hour rain delay at Fenway Park. D.B. Sweeney, friend of the program, D.B. Sweeney, actor D.B. Sweeney, threw out the first pitch, and so I tagged along with him. Uh, Here's what it sounded like, which, by the way, you hear exactly what everybody wants to hear after throwing out the first pitch from the young lady who caught it. Thank you. Making my hand hurt. Nice job. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That was great. Easy. I know it's all the way from the mound. I didn't get much rotation out of it. Dude, you're the crowd. So how do you feel? I feel good. You know, after a long rain delay, Jackie flashed me the one finger, and I was like, you know he's sitting dead red. So I had to shake her, and I came with a little bit of a slider, and I think it worked out. The imaginary hair whip. <laughs> can, you, can you describe what it's like to throw out a first pitch? It's amazing. You know, this place is the temple of baseball, so for me to come back here with my boyhood uh, team and uh, just to get to do that, it's just a bucket list item, and I'm so grateful to Sox. How did, I mean, I, for me, it was a 10 out of 10. How For you, how was it? I feel great. I just was a little disappointed they didn't let me get on the 
the actual mound. Oh. I, you know, but that's fine. I yeah, guess yeah. I need to be the guy to wreck it for the starter. Yeah, there you go. Awesome job. Yeah, there you go. The anatomy of our first pitch. Like I said, when you hear "you made my hand hurt," there you go. That there you go. That's that's what you want. All right. So good stuff. We got more good stuff coming, but. Today, I want you to bring in your day by listening to someone who knows what's what when it comes to the approach of not only baseball player, but really digging deep into just the, the, the mind. And I just, I love talking about this stuff, and I love talking about it with Brandon Geyer, seven-year major leaguer, obviously former Tampa Bay Ray, former Cleveland player, I guess used to be Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians, um, drafted by the Cubs. Just a great guy to talk to. All right, here you go, Brandon Gar. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on to spread the great word of baseball not being boring than Brandon Geyer, a guy who consistently made baseball not being boring by playing, and now he's continuing to do it in so many different ways and so many effective ways. Brandon, how are you? I am great, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. How's everything going your way? Uh, everything couldn't be better. I, I think it's been... And I know that you're in the in the belly of the beast, where you know, obviously working with UVA with the College World Series and working with the Angels and and uh, and a lot of different teams and a lot of different people. I feel Brandon like this baseball season may have been one of the better ones. And I know that like the easy way to look at it is because the pitch clock, you know, because <laughs> games are faster. But yeah. I just feel like the, the combination of everything. And we're gonna. This is this is off the top of my head. This is obviously not scripted, but I just yeah. want to scream from the mountaintops. Someone who obviously loves baseball, like I feel like this has been a great, great year of baseball, right? Dude, it, it really has. I mean, to me personally, all years are great, but it's just been um, fun. And personally, being back in it, you know, I feel like I am paying more attention to it. I know you have been and will always continue to be really locked in, um, but it's gone up a level for me being back uh, with the Angels this year. But dude, right on board with you. Uh, it's been great so far and we got a lot to go. All right. So I'm going to ask you the same question. I asked the commissioner, I asked GMs, I asked managers, I asked players. Um, it's an easy question and there's no wrong answers. Why isn't baseball boring? Um, cause it's fun. Um, it's what you, when you're a kid, you, this is, you, you just love playing the game. It's America's pastime. Um, it's fun. You get, it's competitive. Um, the team, the camaraderie, um, and I, I'm going to keep it simple. Now, I like to keep everything simple. I'm going to say, it cause it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's an excellent answer. Um, and like I said, no wrong answers, but that's an excellent answer. We had like a 40-minute one from um, Eduardo Perez, which should be put at the Hall of Fame. But I, I'll take yours and put that up there too. Excellent job. And and also because – and I also appreciate because you're in it. And your company, your initiative, Major League Mindset, uh, it's helping this sort of – not only push, but it's helping – nurture this love of the game that we're talking about about yeah. this the mindset and and this is a thing brandon i just did uh we i did this book with joe kelly a damn near perfect game and it just mm-hmm. came out in february and we were talking about this is all we talked about and as i'm going through this i'm coming across all these things which i didn't really think about at baseball because we're going a million miles an hour but when i'm sort of looking at the things that you're talking about it hits. It advances all the things that I have kept coming across in the book, which is you know how 
in, in a very simplistic way, baseball, there are so many examples of baseball mirroring life. There are so many things that you have to overcome. And in baseball, you have to overcome them in front of a, a bunch of people. You're not sort of hidden in a, amongst the team. And there's a million different ways to do it. But mm-hmm. I just want to say, I guess that's my long-winded way of saying, thank you for all that you do. Thanks sincerely. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, Rob, I appreciate that. And you you are so spot on when you talk about how it's basically a microcosm of life. Like it's it directly translates. And I think the four things that really hold back players the most, and this is for all human beings, you could say, is fear, um, inability to handle adversity, lack of routines, and lack of self-discipline. And, and when you can, you know, chip away at those and really get to that masterpiece sitting inside of each and every one of us, whether we're performing on the field or whether we're trying to, you know, perform at a high level off the field, no matter what our job is, that's going to help us. And, and that's why this, you know, and baseball in general, with all the failure built into it and all that, it directly translates. You can be great with great at that. You can be great in any facet of life. Um, and, and you talked about, and we brought about, you know, what makes it is it's not boring. I said, have fun. Well, what leads to, if you're a player having fun, and I, I truly believe it's all about having a win or learn mindset. Cause when you really believe that, not just say it, cause it sounds good, but believe hmm. it. like, I'm going to go into competition. I'm going to be as prepared as possible. Hey, I'm going to, win and if i meaning have success individually and as a team if i do awesome celebrate be proud of yourself that's like me but we also have to know no matter how good we are how how prepared we are we're not going to win all the time so then it's we learn and then it becomes win or win because literally what you learn becomes fuel for your growth if you truly do that when you reflect on it and then it helps you win in the future so that's how we can cultivate this mindset of having more fun because that will lead to win or learn mentality is going to lead to more fun less pressure less anxiety and, and players playing free and loose and every single player will tell you if they're when they're playing free and loose mm. The results then come as a byproduct. Um, so it's everything that helps get to the point of those three words, free and loose. And then it's more fun. And then baseball is not boring. Oh, uh, well, you know, you know what? You you just immediately when you say play free and loose, it immediately brings to mind a conversation we've had on this podcast with a ton of different people. You know, I just talked to Rich Hill, obviously oldest professional athlete in the four major sports right now. Um, I talked to some wow, guys. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, right. Well, Brady, thank you, Tom Brady. See you. <laughs> so, but it, it, and I've talked to guys in the league just a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, we talked to Joe about this for the book. But when you say play free and loose, the first thing that jumps to mind is how baseball has been accepting of younger players. Major League Baseball has been accepting of younger players more than ever. And when you came up, so you were drafted in 2007, and. When you came up, I would imagine when you came up that first time in 2011, correct? 2011, that yep. there was like this, hey, there was still that rookie. Um, don't say too much. Don't do too much. And maybe it was, and I don't know, but I've heard a lot that no, it was. It was. <laughs> right. But now, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you work with major league teams. There, If you're with us, like we need you. So we're going to treat you like a more of a peer than ever. And that's what we're talking about playing free and loose, right? I mean, it makes so much sense. If someone's on your team, say it's a rookie, and you want that person to help your team win, would you not want him to feel comfortable in the clubhouse and feel like he can be himself 
leading to him playing free and loose on the field, knowing that is what the best version of him will come out more consistently if that happens. But yeah, you know, for better or for worse, when I came up, um, cause I think at times the un- being uncomfortable is, is a very good thing. Um, so get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. When I was a rookie, you know, we have veterans that, and, and even before me, you know, veterans that, you know, make it a little challenging for mm. you to do certain things. Um, you know, it, mm, it affects people differently. Um, but nowadays it's like you get caught up. These veterans are there by your side. They're guiding you. Um, you know, I see it with the angels, so many other teams, like you just have these great leaders that now want you to be part of the pack and want you to play your best and be comfortable so that you can play free and loose and help the team win. So I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's crazy that it was it was really that mindset. But like you said, it is what it is. We learn from our mistakes. And it's crazy mm-hmm. to think that a guy like Ben Joyce would come up. Hey, I know that you're you're throwing 75 or your first 88 pitches for 100 miles an hour. But go sit in the corner and pair, carry our backpacks. So it's like, <laughs> but that, that's not how it is anymore. All right. So I do want to get back to you as a younger player. You were drafted in the fifth round by the Cubs um, and the draft is coming up sort of soon. And, and I've, I've talked to a couple guys, Grayson Rodriguez, the Baltimore, Tristan Cass of the Red Sox about for our um, Mickey Moniak, who was a mm-hmm. number one overall pick, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the pressures that went with that. Yeah. And when you're, and this, a lot of this is about advice that maybe we can give guys who are going to about to go through this from your perspective, how tough is that? Because, you don't want to, you obviously you want to be identified as a high pick. You, for your entire life you've been told you're pretty good, but now you have to enter this weird world of being drafted and being identified by the Major League Baseball draft. From your perspective, what advice or would you give those kids who are about to enter that into the world? Um, I would say be great. What what I like to think is the number one skill for all athletes, control the controllables. You can't control where you're drafted. Say you're drafted very high. Okay. Then it becomes don't we don't want to put that added pressure on ourselves. What what can you control? Well, you control how you respond to adversity. You control your effort, your energy. Um, you control your attitude. Um, you control your preparation, your perspective on everything. Um, there, there's so much out of our control that when we start to focus on that, then that pressure mounts, then that fear mounts, then that anxiety mounts. But because we start all of a sudden thinking about. Um, what other people think, what other people decide to do with you. Oh, I'm all, I'm this big prospect now. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, these people must expect this out of me. And then we put these expectations on ourselves. So a mantra that I really try to get across to whether it's big leaguers or youth players is execution over expectations. So the only thing, if you are drafted in this draft, no matter where you are, say you're the number one overall pick. The number, the only thing you should think about is executing what's 100% in your control, which we call your process, and not worry about outcomes. If you are so ruthless and intent, intentional with your process, then as a byproduct, your outcomes are, are going to come your way. So once again, that mantra, execution over expectations, only expect yourself to execute what's 100% in your control. And, and that's a skill. It's not <laughs> something that everyone just has. We ha- we can train it off the field with the little things that happen to us out of our control. And as we know, on the field, there's going to be so much that happens to us out of our control. So really, really 
slowly but surely develop that skill and remember that mantra and then pressure melts away. And then let's get back to those three words. You'll play free and loose. And then you consistently, your talent, your true talent comes out on a consistent basis and you show up and you show out like uh, that player they drafted you as by simply doing that. How good were you at that when you were drafted? So, you know, I, I was good. I obviously got better at it as I got older. Um, I got into the mindset and mental training after my junior year in high school. So back in 2004, Mm -hmm. um, because my first three years in high school, below average player, not good results, not talking to any colleges, nothing. So senior year, I was like, this is it. I got to do everything I can or my career could be over. So I read a great book that I recommend to everybody. Heads Up Baseball by Ken mm-hmm. Revisa, as I'm sure you've heard of a lot of mm-hmm. people in the baseball world. He's the godfather of mental performance, Ken Revisa. So I read it, but I didn't just you know, catalog it in my mind. I applied everything, made it my own. And then senior year, I was like given that key to unlock myself. And I bring that up because... For the next, you know, four years until I got drafted, um, you know, I, I was already focusing on what's in my control. I was doing, you know, everything that I talk about now, maybe at not a high level because you continue to just go up and up and up. But um, so I would say I was I was good. I wasn't great. Um, but because of that mental training, I was able to handle the second year in pro ball in double A hitting once 180 after 200 at bats. And being the first base coach for the majority of that first half of the season before I got sent down, I was able to handle that because I had trained my mind. Whereas if I didn't have that training, I I truly believe my career was over back in 2009, Mm. Tennessee Smokies in double A. But you you can fall back on that training. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, Mm. but you now can handle all the adversity and the challenging times that are inevitably going to come your way, whether you're your first number one pick or your fifth round pick. Um, it's going to come our way. How do we handle it? How do we process it? How do we respond to it? That's the differentiator between a big league player and someone who just doesn't get there. One of the, and as you were talking, one of the things that we I did a recent interview with Matt McClain, who is the first round pick of the Reds and recently called up and why he was a first round pick and good for you for being a first round pick. You know, there was, I think, five shortstops four shortstops be picked for before him and the the mock drafts had him all over the place at one time he was really high up and then he slid to i think it was 17 and he said to me he said listen like what i got my head around was when i'm in the batter's box the pitcher doesn't care where i was drafted mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and I, that's probably a good rule of thumb right yes Yes, dude. I I absolutely love that. I mean, because once again, you cannot control what other people do. You can only control yourself. So don't just and and, and Rob, it's one of those things. It's so easy to say. It's simple in practice. It's our simple in theory, harder in practice. Like if we truly, truly deep down to our core, think about and have at the top of our mind. I'm going to control what I can control. Not just say it because it sounds good, but truly, truly do it. And then in those instances, when an umpire makes a bad call, you hit four line drives and don't get a hit. Whatever it is that's going to happen at some point during a player's career. Well, in those moments, that's a way to practice your philosophy and train that skill. And then just like Matt just talked about, hey, he can't control what the players pitchers think about him he can only control how he goes about his business mm-hmm. and and it's beautiful i love it 
So another part about that, about controlling what you can control is trades. You would trade a couple times. But in, in 2011, you were a young player. A young, it hadn't been in the major leagues yet. Mm-hmm. And and this is another thing that's coming up for a lot of young players. They're about to be traded, and and one of the things we talked with um, with Nolan Jones about was he was traded from Cleveland. How did that infect you? At first, you I don't know if you felt this way. He said at first it was like, why don't they want me? And then you get your head around, well, somebody else wanted me. Mm-hmm. But for a young player. For when you're trying to get your head around just becoming a major leaguer, then all of a sudden you go through this gauntlet of this, it must have been sort of challenging, right? It's all how you look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I looked at it like, in a way, I was with the Cubs and, you know, just coming off of minor league player of the year. And, you know, if I looked at the big leagues there, well, they had some set outfielders who had big contracts. In a way, I might have, you know, it's kind of blocked. So I looked at it like a, a blessing in disguise mm. um, that I could go to another place and potentially get get up that year, um, knowing once again that who knows what's going to happen. But it it, can, it comes back to you know what we're talking about. If mm. if a team decides to trade you, you have no say in it. So the only thing you should really really do is be so committed to your routines and your process that if and when you get traded you are ready for it. And then you just implement those routines with the new team. Um, and, and the rest is history. Um, so yeah, it's just part of the process. Did, of this you, game. Have you seen, did you, you must've seen guys who've handled it differently though. Right. I mean, in terms of, uh, man, like, like he was saying that all my friends are here, I'm leaving all my mm-hmm. friends be, and every, everybody's different. It's just like a contract year. Everyone yeah. handles contract years differently. Yeah. So you yeah. must have seen a lot, a lot, a lot of different variations of this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look at the trade deadline every year. You see like big names get traded. Sometimes they go to a place and they do really well. Other times they don't do well. You know, for me personally, back in 2016, um, I was with the Tampa Bay Rays and at the trade deadline wasn't expecting to get traded. I think I was like, oh, for 16 at the time. I was like, I'm not getting traded. Um, and I ended up getting traded to the Cleveland, uh, Indians, a guardian. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. I have my family in in St. Pete, Florida. Yes, I have close relationships with the Rays players and and everyone there. It was like I was feeling good. I loved it there. I was comfortable. Um, So it's definitely stepping outside of that comfort zone, right? And it's like, okay, you're going to a new team, a team who's in first place, a (laughs) team you might not know anybody. You probably play against them, but you might not know anybody really well. Okay, this is those times where, once again, you fall back on your training. We have to and realize that it's all about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. You know, that it's like the ramp to our true potential is just outside of our comfort zone. And it was truly outside of my comfort zone to get traded from a last place team to a first place team with players I didn't really know and go to a whole new get go to a pennant race, which I had never been in before, but a literally mindset that I was taught by a mentor and that I just repeated nonstop. All the time, especially after the trade, is three words: bring it on. And I actually have it, mm-hmm, yeah, in this wristband yep. right here. And every team I'm working with, I, I they probably hear me say those three words more than anything. So when I got traded, yes, there was anxiety. Yes, I there was a little pressure. But to eat all of that up like a true energy bar, so I, it could fuel me rather than hold me back, 
I just said, bring it on. I don't care. I, I, I trained for all everything. I have an intense trust that I can handle anything that comes my way. I, it's not like a fake confidence. I have this trust that I can literally respond powerfully to anything the game or life throws at me because I put the work in. I did what I said I would do, especially when I didn't feel like doing it. So when I say bring it on, I can truly mean it in, deep down to my core and know that, hey, I could, okay, I go to Cleveland and I struggle big time. Okay, bring it on. I'm ready for anything. It just so happened that that mindset helped me get into the right spot um, with a great team. Um, and, you know, we went to the World Series and played some of my best baseball when I got traded. But it's all about how we approach and respond to things that happen that are out of our control. I love that. You know, I coach high school basketball and I say to the kids, you want to get better? Be comfortable getting uncomfortable. You're never going to get better unless you embrace being uncomfortable. You play against better players. It's hard going up and playing in a pickup game with five, six, eight guys. But you know what? A month for a le- later, you'll feel a little bit more comfortable. So, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, yeah, you're scratching right where I itch when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> um, so I know I've been re- very appreciative with your time. A, lo- a couple quick things to end with here. Um, another guy I talked to yesterday and been on the podcast multiple times is Daniel Bard. And right. um, I would imagine... You know, he's obviously, we know his story, overcome the yips, and one of the few people who ever has done it. From your perspective, when you see someone like that or see or another example in baseball, someone who who has used the mental performance coaching to really help them do something that nobody thought they might be able to do, mm-hmm. does that does that make you say, hey, you how did they do that or or inspire you or anything like that? For sure, it inspires me. Um, you know, talking about the Yips, back in 2013, I was in AAA with the Durham Bulls, and I went to bunt, and the ball hit my fit my middle finger on my right, my throwing hand. I had to have stitches, and then I I still don't really have feeling here. <laughs> I came back a couple months later. I I threw some balls from center field that just went into the stands, like just embarrassing. And although I've been training my mind up to that point, I developed the Yips. The next year in the big leagues was like one of the toughest times for me. It wasn't the long throws. I was fine. It was literally the throws in between innings with like Kevin Kiermeyer or Desmond Jennings that 20 feet away. I just like, I couldn't, I didn't know where it was going. Um, So I had to come through that. And I, and, it, and up until that point, I didn't really know. Yips. What, like, what is this going on? And then it got me. Um, And, and what, what really helped for me, was visualization because everything, what we vividly imagine is the same as what we physically do. So I got so many reps in my head of me just hitting, hitting the target, hitting the target. Um, it's a real thing. Um, and then changing the self-talk, the self-talk instead of me talking to myself, Oh my God, these fans are watching this big leaguer. He can't even throw it 20 feet. That's what I was saying. And then I started to say, bring it on chest, throw it in his chest. I, I like little things I would just change with my self-talk was able to get over it. Um, probably a little easier than pitchers, but mm. it's challenging. So when you bring up Daniel Bard and him overcoming it and him doing what he's do- doing, surely is inspiring and motivating, not just for me, but I'm sure so many more players, um, parents, and, and, and a lot of people out there. Uh, the last thing, Brandon, it just this is top of mind because it just happened. And I know that you're 
you're involved with another team in the College World Series or the um, with the Virginia. Congratulations, by the way. Excellent, excellent. So exciting. But we had the instance of the the, the Texas outfielders losing the ball in the lights at this mm-hmm. this this momentous moment. Yeah. And and everyone can, you know, we see it on Twitter. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And like for me, and this is how I'm wired, I immediately think of the the impact that those guys have. Yeah. Um, you know, there was the for me growing up, it was the Bill Buckner thing. I felt bad for Bill Buckner. And this isn't Bill Buckner. This is like you losing the lights, whatever. But from your perspective, um, how would you approach that? How would you approach to say, you know, listen, this is how this is how we have to move on from this? It's a great question. And and that is the worst feeling in the world, whether the game's on the line or not, losing the ball in the sun, losing the ball in the lights. And it just so happened, maybe it's the first time it ever happened to this player where it was the seasons on the line to go to College World Series. So, dude, it's 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 tough. What what I would go to is along the same lines of what we've been talking about. The it's unfortunate. You were the player out there where the player hit it perfectly. It went into the lights. And if you know deep down there's nothing you could have done differently, you should not have regret at, at, at all. There's nothing you could have done differently. If if this player can truly believe that, then that can help out and that could take away stop, you know, not worrying about the past anymore. You know, say it's a week or a month or a year from now, not worrying about it anymore. Um, really just if he can do that and think about that, um, you know, it's still going to be tough. It's frustrating. Mm. You, you, the team lost the game, but hey, it's it's just one of those things that happens. It, it, it's very tough. I don't know if that's a great answer, but it, no, it, no, it's, it's it's out of your control. Yeah, and and, 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 and move on. The words will sink in. You know, like words like that, which I'm sure he's getting, is will sink or mm-hmm. out of the, multiple players actually losing the lights. And it, and it's easy for me. It's easy for yeah. you. It's either easy for other people to say those to someone that it does, if it's not happening to you personally, mm. you know. So he, it's easy for us to say, hey. Just flush it. Forget about it. It's out of your control. Well, yeah, we're not going through it, you Mm. know, so at that, sometimes it just takes time um, to really just get over that and have that short memory and, you know, maybe use that as motivation. I don't know what year the player is, but maybe Mm. use that as motivation to, hey, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back stronger than ever. I like to call it you're being anti-fragile. You're not fragile and you break easily. You're anti-fragile and you bounce back quicker and stronger than everybody else by being that. And everything is fuel for his growth. So he can then turn this somehow into motivation to push him forward and into that next best version of himself. I think that is a you know a way to look at it. Well, I appreciate that. In 30 seconds, because I know you got to go, is there something mentally that impresses you about Shohei Itani, the most ta- physically talented baseball player that, you know, I think that any of us has ever seen? But from your perspective, mentally, is there anything that jumps out for you? Uh, focus, um, locked in. I would say present moment focus, just being in the moment. Because when we're in the moment, what we're looking to execute has the best chance of 
of succeeding. And, and, and just from him, whether he's hitting, pitching, whatever he's doing, you can tell he's not thinking about the past. He's not worried about the future. He's right here, right now, competing with all he has. So I'm going to go with focus and, and present moment focus. Uh, the excellent. I, I'm glad. Thank you for answering that. I had to ask you. I had to ask. <laughs> or ask. All right. I know you're going to be going brandongeyer.com, at brandongeyer. Also, uh, new seminar starting on July 20th. Sign up now, right? Correct? Correct. Um, Thank if you. I, if I show up and sign up, I can do it. I'm, I'm not aged out. Hey, it's, li- it's live on Zoom, all ages. Yes. All right. All right. Have you. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks so much. All right, Rob. Thank you.